In this week's Art Conversation, we chat to Maurice Fuller, founder of Staffing Tech. In this episode, we chat about using staffing technology as a source of competitive advantage. Uh, what is a virtual conference and how have they evolved since the start of the pandemic? The future of marketing in the staffing firms and the knock-on effects of remote working. Hope you enjoy part one. But let's let's talk a little bit more about you and, and, and your background. It'd be really great sure. to kind of just start start at the beginning. It'd be really good from a context perspective for the audience to understand your background and, and how you've arrived at where you are today, if that's okay. Yeah, it's been a long journey. I, I started off actually as an engineer and I was involved in, in designing computing systems early on. And, and um, I love that work, uh, but I decided after a few years to move into marketing and I did that and then I moved into um, project management and then I started a business that was involved in training and I ran that for a few years. It was quite successful. And then from there, I made the leap into recruiting. I, I really was intrigued with this idea of, of being on the phone and working with, with hiring managers and working with candidates and, and bringing the two together. And so I started uh, recruiting and I loved it. I really loved being a recruiter. Uh, but after a few years, I felt like I, I wanted to take on more responsibility. So I started taking on other aspects of the recruiting function, uh, specifically around um, proposals and helped win some major deals. And that led to moving into management. And then I changed companies and I went to a company that was on a really rapid growth trajectory. And we grew that staffing firm from about 35 million in revenue to 150 million plus over the span of about seven years. And a lot of that was driven by technology. And that really got me hooked on, on staffing technology and this idea of using staffing technology as a source of competitive advantage. Because the more that we brought innovation to the staffing and recruiting process, the more success that we were seeing. And, and so I, I started to realize that there's a direct connection between the technology that you're using and the ability of using technology to solve specific problems and the ability to grow revenues faster, um, capture more market share, um, increase efficiencies so you're doing it uh, more cost effectively and, and generating higher and higher levels of shareholder value. So that's, that's really what led me to where I am today, um, Staffing Tech, which is really focused on helping staffing firms uh, transform digitally and transform their operations into the future of our industry. Yeah, interesting stuff. And, and the ultimate transformation, obviously, is, is what you've been doing very recently, which is to take a, what should have been a physical event and make it virtual. Um, talk me through that a little bit and kind of how you've approached it and how, how it's gone, uh, plans for the future around it, short term, long term, because mm. obviously as a business, we, we've invested in that um, and, and will continue to do so. Um, so it'd be interesting to see, you know, kind of as an event organizer, if we put that hat on, in a world that doesn't like events at the moment. <laughs> How have you adapted and, 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 and made, it, made it work? Sure, well, it happened fairly quickly. I mean, March was a really interesting time period because there was so much happening and it, everything was so new. 
and uh, we had an event planned for, for May. Um, and we were pretty far along in, in that event coming together when the reality of the pandemic um, hit. And, and the area where I live was actually one of the, the early states, one of the early places where the, the pandemic really broke out. So we felt it right away. And, um, but we made a decision uh, once it became clear where this was moving that um, we would move it into a, a virtual experience. And that's easier to, to say than to actually do. Yes. <laughs> because what is a virtual conference? I think yeah. a lot of people are, are really figuring that out. And, and what it, the state of the art of virtual conferences is, is, is evolving and it's evolving quite rapidly. So there was an educational process of, of thinking, how do we do this? And how do we deliver value to our stakeholders? And it really kind of brought us back to our roots to think about why are we doing this? It was almost like pushing a reset button okay. and reassessing why you're doing this and, and how you're bringing value and, and, and your vision for, for what you're doing. So it was, it was actually a really good opportunity to, to rethink it from the ground up. And so we did our first virtual event. It ended uh, this week. Um, it was successful. And um, it really is uh, laid the f foundation for future events to come. We're planning a, an event in September that will be focused around digital marketing. This is an area that's becoming more and more important for staffing firms. Marketing used to be sort of, you know, not that important to staffing businesses. They're highly, highly tactically focused. But as we adopt more and more technology and automation, the marketing component is becoming more and more important. And so we have a, you know, a, a number of, of su suppliers into this industry that are doing a fantastic job. Um, companies like Parka, ClearEdge, Haley. And, but this area is, is evolving extremely rapidly. And uh, we want to really dive deep into this area and explore it and understand where it's moving and what it means to have a state-of-the-art uh, digital marketing operation. Is it, do you think there's a generational thing in that, in that whole piece? Not, not in terms of, of age, but more um, people who've grown up with LinkedIn and you know, the job sites and that kind of stuff. And, and to them, that was digital marketing. Whereas there's such a broad church now, you know, that whole phrase, digital marketing, I, you could actually remove the word digital and just call it marketing for, you know, for to all intents and purposes. Do you think yeah. there are businesses in, in the industry who've been around a long time that are slow to adopt, struggling to adopt? That's a great question. And here's what I would say is that digital marketing and marketing in general has been completely transformed just over the last five years. I've been doing marketing now for you know, a few decades. And in some ways I've had to completely relearn what it means to do marketing. And, and, but I'll take it one step further and I'll, I'll say that even the marketing agencies themselves, the, 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 the state of the art is evolving so rapidly that even the marketing agencies that do nothing but marketing, they're having a hard time keeping up with, yeah. with everything that's happening and they're becoming increasingly specialized. 
So I think the future is that within staffing firms, you have somebody who is running marketing, but they're going to be using a lot of different resources external to them that are specialized in all these different facets of digital marketing. Yeah. And together as a technology stack and as a, as a team of individuals with lots of areas of expertise, they will, they will bring these marketing efforts uh, to market. Yeah. Uh, you've hit on something really, uh, I, I, something that's come up pretty much every time I, I've, I've, I've had a podcast conversation is the importance of your partnership ecosystem to your business so that you haven't got to just rely on the skills, the experiences, the expertise in-house. It's about pulling from every thread possible around your business. Um, and it's the, the sum of those parts that actually will drive your success moving forward. Um, one of the, the trends we've seen in, in marketing teams, and it's, again, it's accelerated over the last six months because of, of the pandemic, but there was this move to having teams of specialists in your marketing organization. And then what people realized is that the cost of buying that specialism in was going up and up and up. And so there's now been this move to actually it, having a, a, a broader skill set of people. So five people that can do three things really well, rather than 15 people that do one thing each really good. And then investing in partners to bring the expertise in the mm -hmm. business when you need it. It kind of feels like that's what you're saying. The staffing, the recruitment firms now need to look at from their tech stack. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's the combination of the tech stack and the people. I mean, my, myself, for example, I, astonishingly, there are moments in time where I reach out to an expert for one hour. I need expertise for one hour in a particular area or even 20 minutes. So you surround yourself with more and more experts who can, can support a, a specific strategic direction in which you're headed. So it's that combination of people providing services at an increasingly granular level to mm. more and more organizations. Yeah. So let's just kind of circle back to the, the event part again, because um, I, I, I mentioned uh, at the start of this that we miss our events program. Um, and, and cloud call out, you know, again, we're a business that loves to go out there and meet the people mm -hmm. in the industry. Um, and it's a great way of generating leads and getting people interested in our business. Cause I think cloud call is very much a show don't tell kind of product. You know, you have to see it to believe it to, you know, kind of use that phrase. Do you, th do you think events as we knew them will ever come back? Oh yeah. Way? People, yeah. People are desperate for in-person events, That's true. especially in recruitment and staffing. I think that people in this business are people oriented and they love engaging with people. You see that at our events, people just love to talk with each other and, and, and share ideas and, and talk. And I think that 2020 will be remembered as, as the year when we were all quarantined and 2021 will be remembered as a year where over the course of the year, we're all sort of liberated because of some combination of either achieving herd immunity um, and vaccines that are, are really set to go late this year, early next year. There are, there's a lot of there's a lot of production that's being geared up right now, but yeah, in-person events will absolutely come back in a ma major way. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, which is good. And I think you were right. I think you'll be a mix. I think if you can kind of, because certainly this is the approach that we're thinking of adopting is you use the, 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 the main events as your tent poles and you use the virtual stuff to kind of plug the gaps in between so that you've got consistent touch points with your audience virtually, 
and then you have the get-togethers at the main events. Um, that's yeah. kind of where we're we're thinking. And I think that by the time that we get back to in-person events, people will actually will, will be thinking, why am I traveling a few thousand miles to attend a particular event? Yeah, and I think that they'll be comparing that up against the virtual experiences, which are going to become better. Zoom is going to get better, Microsoft Teams, the ability to engage with people like what we're doing right now is, is going to improve. So there has to be a reason for people to get together in person, but we still have, cannot really fully replicate that, that experience of bringing people together. People just love to interact with other people. And so that's why events will absolutely come back and people will be looking forward to that. Yeah. So you're right. It will be a combination of virtual and in-person. They, they, Boris Johnson uh, over in the UK has literally announced today that subject to some pilots, um, events with more than 30 people should come back in October. Um, so clearly he's trying to get us back into the, the swing of things uh, this year. So yeah, uh, I'm, fingers crossed. I'm not so sure that... You know, personally, I'm not so sure I'd want to attend an event where I have to socially distance and wear a mask. Yeah. I think that takes a huge amount of the fun out of the event. When I think about what I enjoy when I attend events, it's the parties. I really enjoy the time spent in the evenings together, hanging out with people that, that you've seen over many, many years. And, and you have this dialogue that, that extends over multiple years with people where you share ideas and being able to just hang out with them is a really, really, really great experience. And so if we have to do that over masks and socially distance, uh, that's not the same as, as, what, as what we're used to. So I think most people will wait until we can get back to that. And I expect that will be the fall of 2021. Right. Okay. Which isn't that far away, really. You know? It's, no, it's not. It's not. It, you know, the next year is going to fly by quickly. And, um, and the in-person events will be even better than they have been in the past. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I think we've got 12 months of uh, rationalizing and investing in our internal capabilities. And mm -hmm. I think, I think you use the word reset. I think that's a really good way of, of you know, it's, it's very rare you get the chance to actually do it. You, sometimes you're running so fast that you don't stop and assess what's happening and, is this right? Is this wrong? What are my other options? So, yeah, yeah I, we're not I think, going. Yeah, we're not going back to February 2021 ever again. That world is something that we left behind. Yeah, and we're traveling into a whole new world. Yeah. The um, so so I was going to ask you about the future of recruitment, but actually, I think we can ask a broader piece: the future of work. It, it seems like you know, from your perspective, it's changed forever. Um, I made a joke yesterday that I wouldn't want to be a landlord of some of these big tower blocks of offices in, in the major cities at the moment because they're predicting 20% of the workforce will want to return. Mm. Um, that's not a lot of people to fill those big, huge skyscrapers. Yep. Well, to, uh, to your point, uh, I live here in Seattle and there's been tremendous amounts of construction in this town and this Seattle has gone through boom and bust, but we're clearly overbuilt. I mean, we have enough capacity for the next decade easily. So I read recently that something like 40% of people that, that were in offices 
uh, before are not returning back to their offices. They'll continue to, to work from home. It solves a lot of problems. Um, we have a traffic problem in this area. Um, and I think we have a bit of a reprieve on the traffic problem. But uh, it's interesting because I, I think for many people, it's an opportunity to rethink their entire lifestyle. When you think about Jack Dorsey, Twitter saying, hey, nobody ever has to return back to the office ever again. Yeah. That's a really profound statement. A company that had an in, you know, an office where people worked and grew up this very successfully, very successful publicly traded firm. And now all of a sudden that entire firm operates virtually. That statement is going to attract a lot of great talent that will work remotely. Mm. So it also raises the question of what does it mean to have a headquarters for your firm? How is it that Microsoft, which has a huge, enormous campus in Redmond, how is it that that company can continue to operate successfully and, and continue to grow revenues and grow profitability at an enormous rate, and yet most people are working from home? Yeah. It, it makes you ask the question, you know, what does it mean to have a headquarters? What's the purpose of the headquarters? Yeah. And so I think more and more a headquarters for a company is, is, is simply your computing infrastructure in the cloud. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because no one's been put to the test over the long term, but certainly a business of that scale um, of not having those groups of people collectively together very, very infrequently. Um, on a personal level, I, I have missed the, the thing I've missed the most is the people. But I think I'm, everyone would say that. I, and as you get used to not being with the people, I guess it just becomes the norm. And so, you know, kind of the, the, the working pattern we've been discussing is you, you use the office as a hub. So if you want a big meeting and you want the whiteboards and you want to kind of, there's lots to talk about or it's cross departmental, you will meet in the hub. But actually, day to day, we have all proven that we are mature enough and can be trusted and are capable of being probably more productive than we were previously. Um, it's the little things I miss. It's the, you put your head around the office and you've got 10 minutes and having those discussions because now it's, you, you send someone a message on Teams. Um, have you got 10 minutes? And again, speaking for myself, when someone texts me that, I just, I ignore it because I haven't got 10 minutes because we all know 10 minutes really is half an hour, 45 minutes mm -hmm. longer. So I do think the corridor conversations are the, from a work perspective, the big miss and it's the people. So if we can provide opportunity for those who want it to still have that, uh, again, why spend the money on a building you don't need? You know, let's, let's talk about cloud call for a moment. And, and you know, I'm a big fan of cloud call. Yeah. Um, and what's interesting is that if you have a cloud call solution today, and your, your team is remote, it's a great way to stay connected to everything that's going on. So, you know, Michael Dell in the early days when he was running and building up Dell, he used to have this enormous contraption on his desk and he would push different buttons and he would tap into calls that were happening between customer service folks and sales folks and with customers. And he could 
listen in and, and really understand what was going on real time in the marketplace. So they would place these ads and then he could listen in and, and see the responses and he could see what was selling. So he was right on top of everything that was going on. Uh, and likewise, if you're running a virtual operation, a virtual staffing firm, a recruiting, re, virtual recruiting firm, you have this ability with, with Cloud Call to really tap into everything that's going on, either through you know, listening in or whisper mode or, or recording. It's, it's very powerful to um, have these capabilities, especially if you have more junior recruiters. How do you train a junior recruiter virtually or remotely? Mm. Yeah. This is the technology that you need to have in place if you're going to have junior people, whether they're in recruiting or in any sort of call center situation, this is how we train them up. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. Um, and what we're trying to do now is, is accelerate the investment in other tools like that. So, so we, we really think reporting, analytics, um, management information, but in the real time, you know, as fast as you can get it because you haven't got that in-person supervision. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think part of, part of what, what makes our product so great is that when you were in the office, you intuitively knew whose call you needed to listen to. Um, mm -hmm. We're trying now to take that intuitiveness into the virtual space. Um, so again, applying some of that AI to the call so you can hear the tone of voice of the person on the phone. If they're getting angry, if the supervisor gets an alert, that's the call I need to, to jump in on. Um, mm. whatever it might be. Um, or if it's a really happy sounding customer, you want to get in there because you want to grab a case study or a testimonial. Or it's, mm -hmm. it's about grabbing those in the moment opportunities to improve the service. If we can, mm -hmm. if we can add that stuff in and, and we're, we're investing in that. Um, I, I think that is, again, takes our platform to another level beyond the telephone. Um, which, which again, I, I was talking to a creator. We, we, I, I've, um, it's someone I used to go to school with. So it's someone that I've known since 1991. Um, and he went into recruitment and ironically for the last two years, I've been trying to sell him some products and he keeps saying no, but he was talking about how the, he still thinks the phone, ironically, he picks up a mobile phone and tells me is, is the recruiter's best friend. Um, because without that phone, you can't talk to people and um, without the ability to have those conversations, um, no recruiter would ever be successful. So if we can, add value to the phone, um, be that a mobile, be it a soft phone, be it a desk phone, um, we can make those recruiters more powerful because they've got better tools to do their job. Uh, and that's our whole, our whole mantra. Yeah, voice conversation isn't going away anytime soon. It's a, it's a very important part of the recruiting process. But, you know, but when you think about where the world is moving, like with texting and with voice, more and more, if we want to talk to somebody, we text them in advance. We say, hey, have you got five minutes to talk, right? Yeah. We might text them and, and they text back, yep, right now's a good time or call me in an hour. So the text is the sort of the, no pun intended, but the pretext or the, you know, the advance way that we, we, we set up a call. Yeah. More and more the phone call, we, it's not, we make a phone call it seems as a, like an interruption, but if it's a scheduled call because we have a, a approval from that person that, to call them at a certain moment, yeah, um, then we're allowed to have that conversation. Yeah, agreed. We did some research recently, um, and I can't remember the exact percentage, so don't quote me on it, but it was a good chunk. It was more than half of the consumers that we, we surveyed said they would not answer a phone call from a number they didn't recognize. 
But if mm. that number had sent them a text message to say, hi, it's so-and-so from so-and-so, we've got this great job coming up. Are you free to talk? They would answer it every time. So it, it is, you, 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 the, the phrase you used is, it's the permission that we have now got to call someone but without that call, you can't go to the next stage because, you know, I don't know any employer who would never, who would hire someone having never spoken to them. Um, mm. These days, right now, you can't meet them, but you would have a virtual you know, Zoom call or whatever it is, but you would never hire someone without speaking to them. Um, Absolutely. So, you know, again, that, that's why we called this podcast The Art of Conversation. Mm.